Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want you to hear the words that came right before our text that made the entire assembly of those gathered there at the Jerusalem Council fall silent. It takes a lot to get people to be silent, especially when you're meeting over an issue that has a, uh, as they might say, a hot button issue or a hot topic. Like whether or not it should be required that all Gentiles who convert to Christianity be subject to the cultural Jewish laws, the ceremonial law of Moses. That would be a hot-button issue considering that Jerusalem was the very hub of Judaism. They had the temple. They had all of the sacrifices. They had the synagogue, the teachers. So what could possibly get them all to be silent to listen to these words of Paul and Barnabas to explain the mighty works of God. Well, here they are. They're the words of none other than St. Peter the Apostle, who on Pentecost also silenced an entire crowd so that the only thing they could cry out was, what should we do? What must we do to be saved? So here it is. What do you think he says? He says this. We believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they, the Gentiles. Well, that's how you stick it to them. To all the Jews who thought that they needed to make the Gentiles submit to the ceremonial law, Well, Peter has something to say to them. You're saved in the exact same manner that they're being saved, and that's all there is to it. Now, let's see if James the Just agrees. Well, you're going to have to wait to the end of the sermon for that. But this is important. That word that causes the entire assembly to be silent is talking about our salvation, our deliverance from sin and death. Sin, because the power of sin comes in its end, to deliver us over into eternal death. That's the wages of sin. But here, salvation is talked about, spoken about so clearly as being received by grace through Christ, by the Apostle Peter. And that means that it comes to us unmerited, without any strength or worthiness in us. It comes to us in the way that God gives it, not by our own works. Why do we have to even have this conversation? Why is this even a topic for a sermon anymore this day? Because it's still true that people struggle to receive this. A very simple word, but it is enough to silence people, but it's also enough to cause strife within churches. People believe that you must contribute something to your salvation. They make 
a complete mockery of the sacraments by turning them around to be something that they are doing. But it is really as the prophet Amos spoke about, the Lord who does all these things. It is God who does all these things. It is God who preaches to the remnant and to the Gentiles that faith comes through the word. It is God who preaches to the remnant, that is to the Jews and to the Gentiles, that absolution comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. It is God who preaches to the remnant and to the Gentiles that baptism is his work. That it is he who has the power and ability to sprinkle us with clean water, that we may be cleansed from all of our sin, and the stony hearts that we have all had might be removed, and the heart of flesh might be put in its place, and the living Spirit of our God imparted to us. It is God who sets the table before us in the midst of our enemies and prepares for us the finest food, filled with the promise of forgiveness, of life eternal, and salvation, our deliverance from the power of sin, thus death. It's a beautiful message. One that we should think about every morning that we wake up, every afternoon that we enjoy the life that God gave us, and every evening. But there are never, ever, those who will just accept this completely and restore peace in all of Christendom. There just will not be until Christ comes. There is a never-ending amount of heresy that comes from this They twist it. They think that there must be something for us to do. So where are we going to draw wisdom to silence these naysayers about what God does? We must go back to the Holy Word. We must go back to what the Lord speaks himself, what the apostles have given us, because we are the church of the apostles. We have apostolic Succession in the word. But here's the deal. If it is not the same that we are saved, Jew or Gentile alike, by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection, then we are all damned. It's all the same or it's nothing at all. Because if one can be saved by their works and another not, then we have a confusing message. They must be the same. For the law condemns all. No one is righteous, no, not even one. So Peter, the apostle to the Jews, but also, as he states, one sent to the Gentiles, knew that he had watched the Spirit at work among the Gentiles as he was among the Jews. 
He watched the Gentiles being cleansed, not by their own works, not by some ceremony fulfilling, not by circumcision, but by faith that came through the hearing of the word of God, through the giving of baptism. So for them, the question is whether or not these non-Jewish people should become culturally Jewish. What are we going to say to that? Either what we have in Christ is full and complete, or it's not. And then, maybe it doesn't just stop at becoming culturally Jewish. Maybe there's a whole bunch of other things that we need to extract from the scriptures in order for us to be completely saved. And then where do you draw the line? How do you obtain enough righteousness to enter into heaven How do you obtain the perfection required by God if there is still something left to be done that Christ has not done and given by grace? The Lutheran confessors sought to clarify this at the time of the Reformation, lest there be any doubt in people's mind what was required. They write in the fourth article of the Augsburg Confession about justification. They write this. They teach that men cannot be justified before God by their own strength, merits, or works, but are freely justified for Christ's sake through faith when they believe that they are received into favor and that their sins are forgiven for Christ's sake, who, by his death, has made satisfaction for our sins. This faith God imputes for righteousness in his sight. Romans 3 and 4. For one to be brought back to God the Father, to be reconciled, he must believe in Jesus and in Christ alone. Jew or Gentile, Remnant or foreign nation, it matters not to the Lord. What matters is the faith is the same in Christ. God does not make a distinction between those who are in Christ Jesus, but counts this, this righteousness of God, as our righteousness because of what has been imparted to us in faith. It was at that, at that message of the gospel that all the assembly fell silent. And then they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related the many signs and wonders that God worked among them, among the Gentiles. You see, it's In the gospel, Jesus not working signs and miracles among those who had unbelief. But yet the promise of Jesus in Mark chapter 16 was to accompany the message of the gospel that the apostles would share with signs and wonders. The Lord worked signs and wonders among Paul and Barnabas to confirm that message of the gospel. 
to encourage those who had faith to believe that what they were speaking was the truth and there was all reason under heaven to have confidence in Christ alone for salvation. What a beautiful gift God gave to the church. What a beautiful gift that he gave to the council in Jerusalem to see and to hear these things as Paul and Barnabas described them. To take joy. And what a great thing it is for the church to figure this point out. The gospel isn't up for debate. It's not to be changed. It's not to be voted on. You cannot manipulate it. It's not open for that discussion. St. Peter knew that. St. Paul clearly articulates it and gives this great truth to us. Clearly expressed in their own missionary work that the preachers are not making distinctions even in whom they go to to deliver the message. They didn't deliver a different gospel They didn't receive different works. They received all one in Christ. So as I said, at the end, you get to hear whether St. James the Just agrees. What does all this lead us to see? What exactly is this feast day about? Listen to James the Just, the brother of Jesus, the head of the council in Jerusalem. Simon, that is Peter, has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. And with this, that gospel, making for himself a people of his own name, the words and the prophets agree. That is, James is here showing you the continuity of Scripture. That the gospel has not changed even since it was given to the prophets. Do you see what confidence that should instill in you? That the Bible agrees. That the gospel is the same from beginning to end. Just as it's written in Amos After this, I will return and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it that the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord. That is the Jews. And hear this. And all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known of old. All of them shall seek the Lord. In the one true message of the gospel. That by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We shall be saved in the same manner. With this word of the prophet Amos. It was decided. What is decided exactly? That the truth of the ministry of Christ. That he sent the apostles to carry on was to include both the Jew and the Gentile. It was long foretold of old how God would make for himself a new people from the fallen nation, the divided kingdom of David, a remnant, and of all the Gentiles, 
they would share one faith, one Lord, one King, and that this salvation would be given to them, the work of the Lord, that they would be received into the favor of God, their sins all forgiven for the sake of Christ. They share in unity in Christ. They were trying to make them have no distinction by changing the law. But God makes no distinction by giving the gospel. He would do this himself. And he has. It's not a matter to be put up for vote in a congregation. There's no majority rules on this. The scripture rules. This truth, this doctrine, which is of the apostolic church, agrees and is decided only by the word of God alone. And James the just, through the word of God, brought the council together. A council of a divided voice brought together by unity and clarity of scripture concerning the gospel. We are all the people full of sin, sinful thoughts, deeds done and deeds left undone. It would be disastrous, as history has proven, to make a religion, a gospel, formed in our own image. We need not do that. God, though, organizes this religion around the central truth of justification by faith alone in Christ alone. It's not the wisdom of man that has produced such thoughts or words. For we are all very accustomed to this. There is nothing free in this world. But God here offers something freely for all people of every tribe and nation under the heavens, forgiveness of sins to both the Jew and the Gentile for Christ's sake, who by his death and resurrection offers full pardon and peace to us from all sin so that death no longer has power over us. So it becomes fitting this day, right? That James is titled The Just. A fitting title for a man who was called to settle the dispute of the gospel concerning the justification of Christ. That is what Christ gives. A fitting title for a man who remains steadfast under trial, lest the gospel be obscured and the law be overshadowing it. But Christ, our Lord, remains steadfast in the heart of James. And James, by example of our Lord, remains steadfast in his desire for our justification, so that all who would believe on the name of Jesus would become the blessed recipients of the crown of everlasting life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord.